Lacey Nelson here with Nelson Management Strategies, and today I'm going to talk to you guys about policy, a couple of policies and procedures that could potentially save your business and literally save lives. I know that sounds a little bit dramatic, but as we get into it, I think you're going to realize um, it's legit. So I wanted to share with you, this one is, is really relevant to m my affiliate owners, gym owners out there. Listen up. This last week in our CrossFit community, there was a um, gym by Blue Ridge CrossFit was uh, all over the news and not for good reasons. Um, the owner had posted a video on Instagram of three uh, female members that were working out in a vulnerable position with their posteriors up in the air and... Um, that video was recorded and then enhanced with some peach emojis and some uh, hashtag, hashtag hump day and uh, damn and other uh, phrases that were written that um, the women that were on that video took issue with. And one of them let him know that she didn't find it acceptable. And uh, that blew up on social media. And within 48 hours, um, eight trainers had left the facility and half of his clients had canceled their memberships. And he has since closed his doors. And we could pick apart this, what happened. There was multiple um, things that went wrong. Uh, his response wasn't great to the initial complaint. But that's not what we're going to spend our time doing. What I'm going to talk about is how you can avoid this kind of a situation to start with. And if you for a moment think that your gym is um, not that something like this would never happen at your facility or that it's it's uh, just not even something you need to worry about. You're setting yourself up for failure. None of us are immune to the lack a lack in judgment and it just takes a moment for someone to make a bad call and post something on social media that then is there forever. So how do you avoid this kind of a situation? Well, um, you need to have a solid social media policy in place within your organization. First, you need to make sure you're getting model releases, permission from the people's images that you're using to use them on social media. So you got to make sure that's happening. But you also, in addition, need to have a solid social media policy within your organization. Now, there's a lot of examples of policies out there. You could Google it and pull one up, but I, I want to use, I want you to do that, but use it for inspiration. Not, don't just copy it and move on with your day. Going through the hard work of writing your own social media policy is an opportunity for you to hold up a mirror to the face of your gym community and see if you like the reflection coming back at you or not. Because in order to write a quality social media policy, it forces you to really take a hard look at the culture within your gym. What do you find acceptable in the way that you represent and present women and men on social media? Do you ever sexualize content? Do you think that's okay? Should that be okay in your facility? What are the risks and benefits of doing that? Um, and just overall, how are you presenting different kinds of people that walk through your doors with the way that you project their image? And what is that saying about your culture? So you need to be having that conversation um, 
as an owner with your staff and really have them understand what it is that you're what your organization represents and what you want it to represent and how do you do that through social media. Another thing to consider in your policy is who has permissions to post on the, the account and and who has permissions to respond to complaints that may come up from things that have been posted. And if something goes wrong and you have to make some quick responses and change of direction, who handles that? Is that something the general manager is the one that handles? Are you going to authorize any and every coach to do that? And does any and every coach have permission to be utilizing and posting on social media? And another consideration is coaches are always going to be linked to your gym and, and they are pro if they are posting things that they're filming in their free time, um, but they're at your facility and they're posting those onto their own social media but you know you have people that are followers that are some of your members that follow them um, and it's happening in your gym. What are you comfortable with? What are your rules, regulations, expectations around those things that are posted? So um, you need to have those conversations, talk about the culture that you want to project and recognize that you are responsible for setting that culture in your organization. Now, especially given that when you pay for a CrossFit affiliation, you are paying for a license. You are not paying for a franchise, which means with a license, you have a lot more freedom to operate how you want to operate, but it also comes with a higher level of risk and responsibility, and you have to take the time to define your own standards, policies, and procedures and practicalities for implementing those, they're not going to offer them to you um, in a nice little neat booklet. They're not a franchise. You have to take the ownership and make that happen. So there are also some other policies and procedures that we need to consider. And those are around your emergency accident response procedures. And these are the ones that, that really will have the capacity to save someone's life. So you need to know what to do and every single person that works in your organization needs to know what to do in case of an injury or a major accident at your facility. So we've all experienced the minor the minor one, the scraped shin, the torn hands. We understand about cleaning up blood off of surfaces. Don't touch other people's blood. Make sure you disinfect with, with um, antibacterial wipes or Lysol, whatever your procedure is. Um, you have a first aid kit on site. Those are the minor ones. Um, however, when it starts to get more serious, we don't always know what to do and don't always take the right precautions. We need to have those lined out and your staff needs to understand what to do in every situation. You have a moderate injury. So someone twists an ankle, has a minor pain, a pulled muscle, or is experiencing some cramping. Maybe they're feeling really lightheaded, but they're not losing consciousness. How do you handle that? How do you assess if they can drive? Do you need to call their emergency contact at that point? What about documentation? Is that something that you really need to write down? Does your insurance company want you to keep track of if someone twists their ankle or feels lightheaded? Do you need to do that to protect yourself potentially? And then there's the more serious things that can happen. Muscle tears, dislocations, things that are borderline. Do I need to call 911? And what 
What do you do if the person refuses and says, don't call 911? Do you call them 911 anyway and then let them refuse the ambulance ride themselves? Do you um, have anything that is a a absolutely you're going to call 911 no matter what they say to you um, have to do it? How many times do you offer to call an ambulance? And and do you call their emergency contact at this point? Is this when you decide you get that paperwork out and call them? The other And another thing to consider is immediate attention required. If there's immediate attention required. Um, an immediate attention required or serious incident is something where someone loses consciousness, has a broken bone, has extreme pain, is exhibiting signs of a heart attack, or they just fall off the rower and they're they're not breathing right. They're not going to just tell you I'm having a heart attack, unfortunately. That's not usually how it happens. Um, what if they're exhibiting symptoms of a stroke? This is where you need to have your people know that they are empowered to immediately call 911. Do you move someone who's fallen? What if someone fell off the rings and they're just laying there? Should people try to move them? Do they touch them? People don't automatically know these things. They need to be trained. You need to have procedures in place, and your people need to understand what to do. What about a lot of loss of blood? Should they try to stop the bleeding? They need to have first aid, CPR, and AED training. Is that something that you build into your budget and your annual training expense? Um, something you require before the, before hire? Do you have an AED in your facility or a defibrillator? Those save lives. Also, who else needs called when this happens and when do you call them? Obviously, you're going to call 911 and then immediately call the person's emergency contact. And the owner probably, if they're not on site, is going to want to know this happened. So these are things that you need to have in place, an understanding of what to do when, long before they happen, and something you practice with your staff that you could even run through scenarios and say, what would you do? And you're going to have an understanding if they really know this stuff or not. Um, it could be a group activity in a staff meeting. Not fun, but definitely something that needs to, to be a, a consistent piece of communication that everyone understands what to do and how to respond in emergency situations. And hopefully they don't ever have to use them but, or use these responses. But if they do need to, one incident is going to make every time you went over it is it's totally going to be worth that you took that time to do it the other thing is documentation you need to have a good incident report form i'm sure your insurance would love to help you figure out what that needs to look like and how you can protect yourself because if someone does have a serious injury and they are not able to afford their medical bills they may feel like their only option is to pursue you paying for it and that can lead to litigation and you want to make sure that you're covered. Another thing to think about is do you have the gym address clearly posted by the front desk so in the case of an emergency when fight or flight kicks in we can't remember the gym address is there a place where they can just read it off to the 911 operator and are pe do people know they need to run out to the street to flag down the ambulance, especially if you're sitting, if your if your building is seated back from the road or in an odd location, you don't want to lose any time by having that ambulance not be able to find you. So having um, a, a plan where someone runs out and flags the ambulance down can be extremely helpful. 
um, and can save really precious moments. So I don't want to tell you these things to terrify you. I want you to feel confident that when something does happen, you have a plan and you need to think through it. And there's some great examples out there that you can build from. And your insurance company, I'm sure, would love to also help you um, or put, point you in the right direction. And the other thing to think about with insurance and injury and accidents um, in the CrossFit community, it's it's not uncommon, entirely uncommon, that there's times where well, there are athletes that are uh, practicing, um, that are training, that need to do what they need to do for getting ready for competition, and they may want to come in during off hours, and they are given keys. If they if anything happens to that person, and they are not someone who's authorized to be in that building per insurance without an L1 certified coach there, or say they bring a friend with them and that friend gets hurt and there's an accident, um, your insurance may decide they're not going to cover any claim that that person makes or that you make to help cover uh, the costs of that injury if you're not if you don't have the right people there that are required by your insurance for coverage. So something to think about when you open up your building um, during to peop- during non-regular hours to some uh, members that maybe are coming in um, when it isn't normal time and there's not the full staff on board. So all of these things are really important things that can help you make the difference between an unfortunate, awful closing of your doors, somebody losing, potentially losing their life, which is extreme and we hope it never happens, but we all know sometimes horrible things happen and we want to be prepared. So create a culture that you're proud of and communicate it and nurture it and and have your staff understand it and project it on social media the way that you feel good about and Create emergency response procedures that are going to get the job done and protect you and most importantly, protect and help that person that that has an accident or an injury or something medically, a medical emergency happen. And these are things that that make you a responsible business owner and a responsible community member and can literally save a life and can save your business and keep your doors open. So I hope you learned something today. And if you have any questions or want to follow up or ask ask me anything, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me um, on Facebook at Nelson Management Strategies. And uh, I will happily dialogue with anything I talked about, about anything I talked about today. So Manage like a leader, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.